Man, we have had two back-to-back crazy weeks in golf. First, you got Justin Thomas winning the PGA Championship with a come-from-behind victory. Um, insane, dude. Like, all day long, that final round, guys were just imploding, falling down the leaderboard. Justin Thomas was able to capitalize, ends up going to a, a playoff, and he wins a three-hole aggregate playoff against Will Zalatoris. Congrats, JT, on your second PGA Championship. That was phenomenal. And then this week, this weekend, we had the Charles Schwab Challenge happen. And you had Scotty Scheffler as the the leader going into the final round. And again, man, second week in a row, we had a bunch of guys at the top of the leaderboard fall apart, drop back down the leaderboard. Sam Burns comes from a seven-stroke deficit to tie Scotty Scheffler, take it to a playoff two weeks in a row. We had a playoff and then Sam Burns wins in a playoff, gets another PGA tour career win. Fantastic job. That now makes four PGA tour victories for Sam Burns. And that is his third this season already, which is insane, man. Like I can't believe he's winning that much. So congrats to Sam Burns. I feel like that's been a long time coming. Um, He's been playing consistently well the last year or two. and, And it's just great to see him put it together this year. Fun fact, I had the thought at the beginning of Sunday's round um, to put a bet on Sam Burns to win, but I never opened up my app. I never got on FanDuel. I never looked at the odds. I never placed a bet. I'd be curious to go back, and I want to know what the odds were, but that would have been an awesome bet to have won uh, last minute on Sunday. Sam Burns down by seven strokes, putting him to win, and then he ended up pulling it off. That would have been crazy. Um, So, yeah, man, super – Awesome, super exciting past two weeks here in golf. This next week coming up is going to be the Memorial at Jack's Place. Uh, Man, can't wait for that. That is always such an amazing event. Jack Nicholas is a fantastic host. This one's up in Ohio. Um, Hopefully give these guys a little bit of a break from the heat. They were uh, playing in some pretty hot conditions down in Texas. Also, they've been having some pretty strong winds um the last two golf tournaments so hopefully they have some nicer weather and they can kind of play a little bit more relaxed round of golf but i did notice coming out of the charles schwab challenge i noticed how much these professional players like to complain about the golf course when the weather conditions are tough and it's not the golf course that's the problem it's just you suck at playing in the wind man like (laughs) own it fix it get better but like don't have a shitty round of golf because you're playing in 20 mile an hour winds and then blame it on the golf course superintendent and their crew for not setting up the course the way that you want it i mean come on you're being adult stop whining stop bitching you sound like bryson dechambeau now um also another topic man sergio garcia had his little implosion a couple weeks ago talking about how he can't wait to get off of the PGA tour. Uh, Live golf was supposed to have announced this week, this weekend, they were supposed to announce who their players were going to be for their first event. And then last minute uh, they had a location, a venue that was going to host their inaugural draft party the day before they were supposed to have their draft party, announce all their players and pick all their teams the host venue pulled out of their <laughs> pulled out of the deal and now live golf has been put on hold again uh hopefully one of these days we're going to figure out exactly what's going on but i did learn some pretty interesting stuff between listening to uh greg norman on the subpar podcast with colt nost um 
And then also going on Live Golf's website, I learned a lot more about what's happening right now that I didn't know before. And my thoughts are this, the PGA Tour has basically orchestrated a, a seismic smear campaign against Greg Norman in order to get this whole thing shut down. Um, it's pretty obvious that the PGA Tour does not want this to ever happen. They do not want to lose some of the best players in the world coming off of the PGA Tour. And so they're literally doing everything that they can to stop this from happening. Um, most notably, creating the storyline that this is called the Saudi Golf League. It is not the Saudi Golf League. Um, it is not even a, a tour, and it's not even a full-season spectacle so what it is is it you know it's basically live golf events there's only eight events that are going to happen the format is set up like this it's a team golf format so you're going to have they're going to have 12 four-man teams every week for seven for eight events they're going to have these four-man teams compete for a team championship at the same time, they're going to be recording the individual performance of each player on a team, and they are going to offer an individual championship at the end of all of these events. So there's going to be eight events, 12 four-man teams. At the end of the eight events, the best team is going to win a team championship. And at the end of that, the highest performing individual is going to win an individual championship now here's the thing none of these players are required to play every single one of these events they're able to pick and choose which event they want to play at and they don't have to play all of them however it's a points-based system so if you only play in one event you're probably not going to win an individual title and if you only play in one event you're definitely not going to help your team win a team title so i think it's a really interesting set up the way that they're doing this and the prize money that's available with these with these uh events is unbelievable man there's such an astronomical amount of money that's available for these guys to to win it's insane the other cool thing though is that they're not going to be four day long tournaments they're only going to be three day long events and they're going to do shotgun start which has already been some controversy on there's some people that have voiced their opinion and said they don't like the idea of the shotgun start but i personally do i think the what they're trying to accomplish is they're trying to expand the game of golf and they're trying to give lower ranked professional golfers opportunities to make life changing money. Um, regardless of where the money comes from, we can talk about that on like a different, uh, you know, a different conversation. But the fact that you could be the 200 ranked player in the world and walk away with $13 million at the end of an event potentially is like insane. Uh, and, and I'm just using 13 million as an example. I don't know exactly what the payouts are going to be, but they're going to be really high numbers. The shotgun start is super awesome, man, because you're going to have all these guys on the golf course at the exact same time. So instead of having to cover this on TV for a six or seven or eight hour window, they're going to be able to cover all the action that's happening on the course at the same time. It's going to be cut down to only like three or four hours of broadcasting. It's going to make everybody's day a lot better. It's going to be able to show uh, more action all throughout the country coverage and then everybody can shorten their day a lot better so i think it's super super cool super great idea i'm excited that i was able to go in there learn more about it if you're interested to hear more about it or to learn more about it yourself go to live golf livgolf.com uh, that their official website it literally breaks down the entire format of how they're trying to do this um 
it's extremely interesting, man. And I think it's going to be awesome for the game of golf if it can ever get off the ground. And I can definitely see how the PGA tour has combated this and tried to fight it against us this entire time. Um, yes, the money that is being invested into live golf is coming from Saudi Arabia, but this is definitely not a Saudi golf league. Uh, the majority of the events are going to happen in the United States. There's only one event that happened in Saudi so far. Um, it's not run by the Saudis. It's not sanctioned by the Saudis. It's literally just uh, an investment firm and an investment fund out of Saudi Arabia is the one that's putting the money up for this. So again, not the Saudi golf league. It's called live golf. It's not a tour. It's not designed to compete against the PGA tour. It's just designed to create individualized events that players, as long as the PGA tour was to allow it, the players on the tour could go play in these live golf events within their schedule throughout the year, have an opportunity to make more money and then come back and play in other PGA tour events. It's, it's crazy to me that this has become what it is, but because there's so much money involved, the PGA tour does not want to lose these players. I mean, you got, if you just like everything in life, if there's controversy, follow the money and you're going to get a better idea of what's happening. And I can tell you, I think it was back in 2019 or 2020, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA tour was paid over $5 million in one year. Where do you think that money is coming from, man? Like that money is coming from all of the money that the PGA tour is accruing throughout an entire year from sponsors, from donations, from everything. So you're talking about like the head of this organization is making 5 million plus a year. Why would he ever want to lose that kind of paycheck? <laughs> He's going to do everything he can to fight any other league that's going to come out there and compete with his players on his tour because the players on the PGA tour are the ones that are bringing the money in. It's not Jay Monahan that's bringing, like people aren't paying, you know, thousands of dollars to go to the masters for a weekend because they want to go see Jay Monahan talk about golf. No, they're going because they want to see guys like Tiger Woods play and guys like Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler and, you know, Patrick Reed and, Scotty Scheffler and your John Roms. Like that's why people are paying to, to go to these events. That's why sponsors put money into these events because they're able to showcase these players and their talent it has nothing to do with Jay Monahan yet. Jay Monahan is making 5 million a year or more guaranteed. And you could have a guy on the PGA tour right now that yes, he has an opportunity to make money and he can make a decent living. Don't get me wrong, but like, there are guys on the tour that are missing cuts and not making any money that week. There's guys on the tour that are barely making the cut, finishing in last place, only making, you know, I say only, but they're making like 10 grand that week versus making a million dollars that week. And you got dudes and you got the commissioner of the PGA tour over here making five and a half mil a year. Like it's definitely lopsided. And I can understand more after looking at the financials, why Phil Mickelson has said some of the things that he said leading up to this point in the year. Um, because it's just the way that they're running that organization. It does seem like there is an ability to do things differently than what they're doing. That is better for the athletes. Um, and I don't know what the answer is to that. And I'm not trying to suggest anything in particular, but I definitely do believe that this live golf situation 
is a fantastic opportunity for these players to earn a life-changing amount of money that can take care of them and their families for generations. And I think it's really petty. And I think it's really sad that Jay Monahan and the PGA tour are doing what they can to make this not happen. I think it's uh, it's pretty pathetic in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so that's my recap of the last couple of weeks of golf. I haven't really done one of these recaps recently, and I, I want to start doing this more. So if you guys like the beginning of the episode being a, a recap and a preview of what's to come, please give me a heads up. Send us an email at t at high podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear your guys' feedback. But let's get into the more exciting part of this episode. And that is Zach and I had the opportunity to meet and interview Tyrell Adams, currently playing as an outside linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. Man, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Tyrell was super awesome to talk to. It's really great to be able to pick his brain and ask him questions that maybe that I've always wanted to ask players uh, and never had an opportunity. So enjoy this episode, you guys, and uh, we'll catch you next week. You got to call the insurance company and say, no, I'm going to play pro ball instead. Peace. Man, so they call me back, man. They want to call me back. I was like, hey, I really appreciate the opportunity, but um... – I'm still chasing this football dream. Yeah, I'm going to go be in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go try to be in the NFL. So I'll let you guys know how I go. Yeah. My man T.A.'s over here like, we'll see what yeah. happened was. We'll see what happened was. Like, Dan, Dan Quinn hey. pulled me off to the side and was like, bro, come play with the Falcons. Yeah. And I was like, exactly. I don't know. I don't know, Dan. I got this insurance gig that's about to start yeah. off. Like, what, what should I do? Exactly. Yeah, after a lot of thought and consideration, I decided to play in the NFL instead. Exactly. That's you so have- cool, man. Dude, you I was been, just uh, in Arizona a couple weeks ago. It was 100 degrees. It's horrible. Man, I just had some uh, – I got some homies out there, and they used to talk about it all the time. Like, it's it's different. That dry heat is different. Yeah, it was I, weird. Like, I was getting all sorts of, like, congestion stuff from yeah, being out yeah. there just because there's yeah, no water in there. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what they say happens about the congestion. Your lips get real dry. Yep. Skin gets real dry. Man. I grew, I grew up in Scottsdale, so – I moved to Tennessee like 12 years ago now. Yeah. I, was, I, like I, that. I, I love it, man. The only thing I don't like about it is how much it rains. I just wish it didn't rain 120 days a year. But other than that, I like it. Yeah. It rained to me. I thought it was going to rain more here in Jacksonville. It doesn't rain as much time here. Don't they have those like <laughs> afternoon showers? You get those like two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, quick little 10 minute shower. Yeah, but it haven't been that often out here yet. Like, I don't know if it's that time of season or what, but, like, it hasn't – it's literally made rain, like, three times since I've been out here. Wow. I'm trying to think. I've been to Florida a million times. I don't know if I've ever been to Jacksonville before. Man, listen. If you come to Jacksonville, you learn a lot of weird facts about Jacksonville. <laughs> like what? Like, it's the largest city in the continental United States. Yeah. Like just like distance wise, like mass yeah, like size wise, I did not know that. Yeah, that's crazy. I would never have guessed. I would have thought like LA or something, right? I would thought somewhere in Texas, maybe, but it's the largest. Oh city. yeah. Hmm. Oh, me and my wife were laughing. I told her uh, that we were going to be on the show, and he played for the Jaguars. And 
we watch a show on Netflix. It's called The Good Place. And one of the dudes on The Good Place is like obsessed with the Jaguars. It's kind of like yeah. a running joke. He always like jokes about him. He's like, you're going to ask him about Jason Mendoza? I'm like, babe, I'm sure he doesn't know who Jason Mendoza is. <laughs> no lie. I do not. I do not know who Jason Mendoza is. <laughs> I'm like, my man has better stuff to do than watch shows. Like he's, he's on the, in the NFL. You know what I mean? No, listen, listen. What you better realize is we are regular. Like I watch a lot of shows. That's just not one of the shows I watch. I watch yeah. a lot of shows though. What's your number one? What's your go-to? What's your number one show? Man, my go-to was Ozarks and Snowfall, but both of them had season ending. Ozark yeah. literally just crushed my heart when it ended. And then Okay, I haven't finished watching the second half of that new season yet. Oh so. my God, you're in full. I, I've got like maybe one or one or two more episodes to go. Oh my God. <laughs> it's hectic out. right now dude just brace yourself, brace yourself for the i've only done the three seasons those are i haven't done either of the season fours yet season four is perfect i think is it's the it best perfect? one so far season four season four was perfect yeah no game of drones bullshit not. over here no yeah, man, man. I, I couldn't catch on to it it started out too weird i couldn't catch it i could not catch on to it well the end was terrible so even if you would have caught, caught on to it you probably would have hated it at the end like everybody else it was yeah, you know what it was like? It was like they made all this money doing Game of Thrones and then they had some other shit to do and they were just like, Mrs. we're just going to make one episode. Yeah, they did one episode. We just wrapped everything up and we're like, well, that's that. Yeah. Like, it was, no. it was terrible. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I probably, yeah, we're watching, they yeah. probably made a damn killing off of it. That's why. Oh, my goodness. Like, I was watching this thing back when it was popping that, like, people were getting seven, eight million an episode. Like, that's yeah. crazy to me. Episode. That's insane. Yeah, that's that's yeah. wild. Yeah. People out there making fifteen dollars an hour. They're making fifteen million an hour. No, okay, no. calm down. They're not making they're not working for an hour. They're working for no, like a hundred like, hours and it gets cut down to an hour. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long it takes to film an episode. I'm gonna look. Yeah. Talk to your boy Good Google. Question, real how, long quick. Takes to, how long it takes to film one episode? Probably a day. I bet it takes a week. Yeah, it's probably a week. A week makes more sense. Well, you got to figure back when like Friends, the TV show Friends was huge on air and they all negotiated their contracts. They were all getting paid one million an episode for that. And that was back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Takes an average of eight days to film one episode. Never I was right. Right of the week. That makes sense. That makes sense. 15 million a week still is not, not too shabby. You know what I mean? That's the. Uh, no. I'll do it. That's not a bad life. See the episodes, right. 15 million a week. I'll take that every time. Right. It's so uh, it's better than any league contract for sure. What's the best contract right now? Probably not Brady. Any, uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? Isn't Aaron Rodgers on the biggest? Yeah, I think one? he's the highest paid. Um. Yeah, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. He's definitely the highest paid right now. What is? Probably. What was his contract like? A couple hundred million. Five hundred. Uh, Mahomes got like a five hundred million dollar contract last year, didn't he? Um, yeah, but but annually he still came out shorter than um than uh Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Aaron's was more. Okay. So before we get oh. too deep into the weeds, I was I I gotta ask you a question and I gotta let you know something. How do you pronounce your first name? Is it Tyrell or Terrell? Tyrell. Okay. I was gonna feel like a real douchebag if all these videos I was putting out on TikTok, I was pronouncing your name wrong the entire time. I was gonna have to do cool, it all. I appreciate, off my page. It. I appreciate it. Nobody ever asks how I pronounce it. They just kind of like either they go 50-50, or most of the time I think they just avoid saying my name. Or if they heard through the grapevine, they just most of them just call me TA. So like everybody knows me as TA. TA, I like that. 
<laughs> yeah, and if he didn't introduce himself properly, this is Doctor Schultz. Apparently, we're gonna start calling You're him Doctor Schultz. Man. Oh man, no, I'm not. We were just joking. We filmed an episode yesterday because we got some vacations coming up, so we've been on like this marathon of like recording. So we did, we've done a lot in like the last two weeks. So we did one literally just yesterday. Yeah. And uh, during it, we were messing around because he always messes with me about college and stuff. And um, I was just like, man, I should go get my doctorate in math because like my education's in math. And I was like, then I would just make y'all call me like doctor every day and then the guy was on the show he was like or you could just tell everybody that you identify as a doctor and they just have to call you that and i'm like dude <laughs> so i like i'm just telling ryan he's gotta call me dr schultz like for not that's funny as hell oh yeah <laughs> so talk to us about uh talk to us about who you are man i know you grew up in uh in georgia did you grow up in atlanta yep born and raised yep yep so um born and raised in atlanta georgia um grew up on the west side of atlanta I went to Mays High School, um, was a zero-star recruit. Uh, five brothers, stayed with my mom, my stepdad. It's like my, my real dad, basically. He's been on life since I was about five, man. So one of like my biggest role models. Uh, but yeah, so grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Played ball since I was like eight, man. And you got to kind of like give me an idea, like what stories you want me to go into. I swear, like I have like the most like wildest stories about my entire like football journey and everything is crazy. Well, I was going to say, like, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is going from, you know, like you said, a, a zero star recruit to, you know, playing, starting, being on teams in the NFL, going undrafted, like the work ethic and the amount of persistence that that takes is really impressive to me. So I, I want to hear about that journey um, mentally. How do you, how do you deal with stuff like that? You know, we talked a little bit yesterday about, how important like taking L's is right. Like how important it is in life just as a man to be able to like be wrong and, and figure that out or, or fuck something up and, and or fail, right. Fail forward. So tell me, I'd like to know a lot about that journey. Cause that's really impressive to me. Like, and I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about like the story. Like, I know you were just on a podcast not too long ago. I saw your YouTube video. It like posted like nine days ago. Uh, you were, I, I guess you're going on another one here on Friday for iHeartRadio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I, I'm more interested in the stories that you haven't told people. I, right, I want to hear the stories that, like, you you got to be in, like, a comfortable setting with a couple homies that are just going to be, like, chill and, like, be with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the – that's the shit that I want to hear. But I kind of want to hear about, like, how you grew up. And then I want to get into everything, dude. Like, West G, like West Georgia, I want to get into Hall of Fame at, the, at your college. I want to get into your foundation. I want – this episode to focus on you and the things that you want to get out there and you want people to know underdrafted bro that video clip underdrafted was sick as fuck like oh so sick. i want to get into everything bit, i bit. do before you get going though i have to ask you a really important question are you a braves fan man the biggest Braves. <laughs> yes okay me too i got a marlins hat on right now just because i bought it in florida and my hair was acting a fool but i'm a diehard braves fan my Listen, wife and i were going on the fourth man i stay five minutes from the freaking Braves stadium bro i fucking love the Braves. Mm. Dude, I never miss a game. You know what makes me mad is I'm going to go on a rant because you're a Braves fan. <laughs> I went to out to pizza with my wife on Saturday. Yep. On TV, they're playing the Marlins. Had I got on randomly. I look up at bat and who's batting? Jorge Soler, who hit the home run into the dude's apartment in Houston when we won the World Series last year. And we just didn't sign this man back for no reason at all. And I'm sitting there. I was like, oh, man, I miss him. Pitch comes across. I swear to God, my man puts a triple off the wall. And I'm like, try to tell y'all. Like, 
I don't know what the Braves be doing sometimes, but I listen, they won a championship. I'm just leaving it at that. Apparently, <laughs> they know what they're doing, but shit kind of really wow. knows what sometimes. We're like 19 and 23 or something right now, so they're not doing <laughs> but see, but that. That's how we started out last year. Yeah, that's true. We actually did better without Acuna in the lineup last year, which was kind of crazy because weird. he's my guy. He's we my guy. A, I love him. We went on a crazy run in the second half of the season. I like, think that happens again this year. Yeah. So Here's a, here's a crazy question. Uh, so Ashley was telling us about the golf tournament. We're going to come down. We're going to play in the golf tournament that you're putting off your foundation on the 27th. She was telling us about one of the guys doing like a DB camp on the 25th on Saturday. I'm looking at the, we were planning on going down there to be, and just hanging out with you guys that time too. The 25th and the 26th, the Braves are playing the Dodgers in Atlanta. Let's go they, to the game. Let's go, let's go to the game, dude. Let's go they're, to the game. They're playing, no they're playing let's Saturday night the and they're playing Sunday afternoon. So whichever one of those days works out better. I, stay, I literally stay five minutes from the facility. I mean, from yeah, the I'm down. I'm going on the fourth too. I'll do two games in one week. Let's okay. do it. Man, fuck it. I'm in. My wife will be down too. She'll come with us. Man, let's do it. Let's do it. That's badass. Are we good? Are we ready to get it? I'm glad you asked that question. I was a little curious why you were wearing a Florida Marlins hat. I mean, I'm sure you have like 13,000 Braves at home, Dr. Schultz, but sorry, Doc. Yeah, we went to uh we went to Miami last year, last summer, Caitlin and I, and I we were doing like the the fishing thing, like on the boat, and I was like, man, let me let me get a visor and like they just all had like Marlins visors and honestly like their colors are kind of dope but I'm a Braves guy till till the day I die for sure all right it's your turn Tyrell hit us with it bit man so uh again Tyrell Adams born and raised in Atlanta Georgia coming out of high school zero recruit man I remember going into freaking um signing day for the weekend I mean for the um for all the seniors and literally um i had no no real offers on the table i was nervous as heck man nervous as heck and i knew i wanted to go to school to play ball because of course like you don't want football to end at that point but um it started getting real great i didn't know what the hell was gonna happen honestly um wound up um last minute west georgia gives me uh I do a, a visit to West Georgia like the week, like week before. The weekend before signing day, they offered me a partial scholarship. It's like really all I got on the table. I had other, another couple of schools, a couple of schools that were further out that were offering me, man. And funny story. So my cousin, he was going to uh, Robert Morris up in Pennsylvania. And they offered, they, he, he wound up signing there. They offered him, he signed there. And me panicking, I was like, man, just, just give my, my tape to the scout up there. And he gives it to the scout, and the guy literally, like, drop of a dime, offers me, like, a scholarship to the school. And it's like, now, I'm at this point, I'm like, dang, D1AA school offer me? I can go D2 or D1AA up, up in Pennsylvania. And I remember just going through the hula hoops, like, what I want to do, do I want to go here or here? And I was so nervous because – I never played ball up north. And then I kind of was like having like anxiety issues because leaving home, like I never been out of state of Georgia like that at, up to this point. Like I couldn't fathom like literally living in another state so far from my family. And West Georgia is only an hour from home. And I remember I finally, um, the coaches hit me up, reaching out to me, man. Like he sent me the papers like overnight, the NIL, like the sign there, not NIL, but whatever they called in college. 
when you sign your national oh. letter. Oh. L.I. In L.I. Yeah. That's what it is. Now, your letter of intent. Yeah. So he sent it over um, overnight. He's he trying to get me, like, really, like, sign it, sign it, send it back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, like, kind of like, all right, I will, I will. While I'm talking to my mom about it, it's like, whatever you want to do, we're, we're fine with it. But so I decided to pick West Georgia because I wanted to be closer home and my, my parents come see me play. Man, this coach was so mad at me. Like, literally, I didn't even know this man. Literally, all I spoke to this man was about a day. I get a message from, like, Randall. He's like, he's like what the hell, Tyrone? Really? You're going to choose D2 over D1AA? You're going to choose a school that ain't won? Literally, at this point, I think they won, like, two games in the last, like, three years. He's like, you're going to choose a school that won two games in three years? He was, like, just bashing me. I'm literally, like, I'm a 17-year-old kid at this point. I'm like, what the Right, hell? yeah. Like, yeah, bro, sure. yeah. It was, like, hilarious to me. I was like, all right, maybe I made the right choice. I dodged you the did, Oh, Lord. Yeah. Man, it was, you can't be the first kid to want to play close to home, right? Like that kid has got to be somebody he deals with every day. Man, it was the wildest thing I ever experienced. So, yeah, why don't I sign up with Georgia? I, I was a safety at this point, man. I was 178 pounds. And um, go to West Georgia. Um, I ended up playing there for like uh, my entire career. I uh, was there my first year, red shirt in my first season. I just feel like I had to get bigger, had to get stronger. Um, I wound up um, putting some weight on in about 205. And at this point, I'm like the physical, the physical safety. And I remember camp my sophomore year, they moved me to linebacker, scared as shit. I was scared as hell. I was like, why the hell would they move me to linebacker? I'm 205 pounds. Like, what I look like down here in the box trying to freaking stop freaking linemen, like 300 pound linemen. I was like, so I remember I was so mad. I was so mad. It switched me. And Man, this is like embarrassing to say, man. But like, I wound up like our first game, and they, they put me in a linebacker. I was in like the ugliest stance ever because I was like so fucking nervous to play linebacker. I was like in a <laughs> DB. It was like a hybrid stance. I was like in a DB linebacker stance. And I mean, we watched the film after the game the next morning. He's like, he's like, Tyrone, TA, what kind of stance is this? Like, he's like making fun of me in front of the whole team. It was hilarious. But, um, you out there looking, looking, you out there looking like Smalls in the Sandlot, just chilling in the yeah, outfield, man, like, little rubber gloves. Out of like place, what... Man, look at out of place as hell out there, man. It was crazy. So um, I wound up um, having a, a real, like, below average season at back. I was a backup at the point. Um, just wasn't, like, happy with, like, how I was playing. Like, me, I had a lot of pride in how I played and playing football. Like, I was all right in high school. I wound up, uh, again, my kind of journey was the same throughout each level. I was a backup and wound up starting, but kind of the same thing happened in college. But before that, building up until my junior and senior year, I remember kind of like after that season where I had like a real bad, like I wouldn't say real bad because I didn't have that, have that many snaps, but I just didn't play that well. Like I didn't play significant enough to like that impress, even impress myself in a sense. So I can remember vividly, man, just like on myself about just like, I got to get better. Like, I got to get better. So every summer, man, guys would go home. And literally, I'm an hour away from home. But I didn't go home. I would stay at college, stay at my school. Um, literally, I would stand on a guy's couch in his apartment uh, because the dorms were closed for the summer. And I couldn't afford to stay. And then in D2 schools, like, they don't offer, like, full scholarships. They try to give you as much as they can, but they can't offer, like, a full scholarship in a sense. So. I was working jobs on campus, working jobs off campus. Man, I was working at Burger King. I worked at a damn Sony, a Sony plant, putting freaking 
CDs together on an assembly line for 12 hours. She was crazy. And everybody used to be like, you play ball and you working like that? And it'd be different. I'm like, no, listen, I'm on D2. It's completely different. D2 football is completely different from these all these BCS, FBS schools. Like, it's different. Yeah. So, um, what do you think the what do you think the biggest difference was when you went from high school ball? Now you're playing college ball. What was the biggest difference? Like what was the, the most impactful transition in that situation? I think the level of talent for sure. Um, I was really like, I won't say sheltered, but like, you don't, when I was growing up, I didn't see a lot of different athletes, a lot of different, um, I guess like, again, a lot of different athletes. I didn't see a lot of different guys playing ball and like so many like good guys, like guys that were like so good at the sport in a sense. Like that was like the most eye-opening thing. Like, again, I was only 178, about six, one and a half. So like my stature wasn't that big. It wasn't that crazy, but like I was kind of tall, but like at my school and within my, um, within the like APS, like Atlanta public school, like system, like as far as like athletes, I was kind of like, above average size and I was like a, a pretty good athlete like I, I made like all region but that was like kind of all I seen with my eyes like kind of all I could see but once I went to college I started seeing guys from South Georgia North Georgia like guys from out of state like I'm seeing athletes like they were like really good so to start to see like so many good athletes come from so many different places I started to realize like bro, it's some real dogs out in this world probably so, the jump from college like, to pro the same thing. So you get, you get, I got to a point where I was like the best, one of the best linebackers on a D2 level. But my mind already knew like it was better linebackers. I watched a lot of football on, on TV, watching guys at big, to big name schools, playing on Saturdays, playing on, playing in championship games and stuff. So I kind of knew there were bigger, bigger and better guys out there. And once I got to the league, I think the opposite happened. So instead of me kind of like creating this image of them being so great and me being not that good, I wound up getting thrown in that fire with those guys, these guys that would come from college, come from these big schools. And I made a few plays and I realized instantly, like, you can run with these guys. Like, yeah, confidence was different this time. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's definitely that's what, was, what was the biggest difference. It's crazy you mentioned uh, like D2 and having to like work and stuff because when I – between I was in the army, then I went to college and, uh, the summer before, uh, I went to, to college, I worked at this factory too. I got a, like a job through like this temp agency and it was like, yep. they Same made exactly. like siding. Yeah. And I got this guy, he was my partner. His name was Jake. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was this big kid. He played outside linebacker at old dominion. And he was like, I just need money, man. Like I'm on a partial scholarship. And like, I had to come home. Cause like, I didn't have anywhere to live down there. And like, my man, same as you. He worked. He's like, I'm just trying to save up so that I have cash when I go down there so I can just focus on football. And he, uh, but he played at Old Dominion, which I think is probably D2 or maybe it's D1. I don't know. It's, yeah, I it's, think, I think I do want to yeah, but same thing. Did y'all play Grand Valley State? That's where I went to college, Grand Valley. No, so Grand Valley, I think, did they wind up winning it? Have they won it recently? Uh, they won it when I was there. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think that's what it was. I remember them being really good. But we we weren't we weren't good at that point, so we didn't play. Yeah. What about what about Georgia Southern? No, Georgia Southern. You know they, they were D one AA. Oh, okay. So was, yeah, back when I was in college, Brian Kelly, who's the coach of I think LSU, he was our coach at Grand Valley. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. My brother-in-law graduated from Georgia Southern. 
man, Southern, everybody loves it down there. They're growing. They're growing big fast, too. Yeah. That's a school, man. If you're a running back, you want to go to that school. Exactly. Why is that? That's so like we, that's their program, bro. Like they just, oh, they just really? develop it's running backs. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. Jared McKinnon, <laughs> Matt Breida. Yep. They put them out. I didn't know all that. Yeah, those guys, played, man, they're uh, like sledgehammers, bro. They don't mess around down there. I did some similar to Tyrell in high school. Obviously, it was different because I was a no high regular high school person, but I played linebacker all the way till my junior year. My senior year, I showed up and they were like, you're play fullback now. I remember yeah. being like, I'm what? Like, my man was like, I, my coach told me straight to my face, as serious as a heart attack. It's just like tackling, but like, we have the ball. You just got to make sure nobody tackles this guy. And I'm like, that's the all the instruction you're going to give me? Like, that's all you're going to give me. That's the, that's the manual right yeah. there. Yeah, got to score a touchdown, though. It was sick, dude. Yeah, that's probably the best feeling, man. I think that's the best feeling on defense, for sure, scoring touchdown. I only scored one my whole life. I played football 5 to 18, and I scored one my whole life. And it was my last game of my senior year, and I played fullback, and I was just a grinder. We had a running back that played somewhere. I don't remember where, maybe Central Michigan or something. He was really, really good. So he got the ball. My job, my fat ass just kept people off him. That's the whole reason I was there. And then my coach, we were on like the three. We were blowing this team out. My coach like gave me a courtesy, courtesy TD. It was the best, man. Man, I'm sweet. I remember he called my number and I'm like, if I don't score right now, like I'm never getting another chance. I remember my boys had me, dude. I got the ball. It's crazy. I'm 37. I remember it was like it was yesterday. But I just remember looking up. And the homies had me, man. It just, I just Open walked right like, in. <laughs> oh yeah, I walked right in. Don't even touch me. Well, like, like the dude, gates of heaven open. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. I am here. They had me, man. What was it like being uh, inducted into the West Georgia University Hall of Fame, man? That's pretty intense. Whoa, that is crazy. It was really unexpected, man. Really, really unexpected. Again, like I didn't have like a crazy like college career into my junior and senior year like I never was like this like preseason like all-american or it was like I never like really received those accolades until like after my junior year and that's why I never kind of like again my, in my mind I was I always had something to work on like something to get better at so about what was it, two years ago three years ago I was inducted and when I got the call I was like what y'all playing like no y'all playing like a lot of these things still were dreams to me. Like, I still like wake up and be like, I'm in the NFL. Like, it still like, like blows my mind sometimes because it's crazy. For the, long, for the longest until like literally my senior year of college, or maybe when I got my first workout, like I didn't foresee myself going to the league again. I went to college and was in class all the time and freaking got my degree. So I was like, football was my plan B, honestly. At what point so were you team, like, I'm going to make it to the NFL. Like, what well, you went through as kind of a plan B. Like, at what point were you like, I can fucking do this and this is going to happen? So, my senior year, after my senior season, um, well, prior to leading up into that offseason, my coach, he kept my, – my linebacker coach at the time, his name was um, Chad Williams, and he played in the NFL for like five years. And he, he came my senior year as our linebacker coach, and he kept – like, towards the middle of the season, he was like, T.A., man, I'm telling you, you might make the league. I like – like rubbed up, like shut up, man. You just like just talking. Nobody looking for no damn D2, 220-pound linebacker. Like, chill out, shut up. <laughs> like, and he was like, no, nah, man, I'm dead ass. Like, just keep working and see what happens. I was like, all right, whatever. Blah. So I'm going through the season playing really well. Um, we end the season, and one of the players on our team, he's getting scouted like heavily. Like, he's like big on people's boards. 
And he brings the scouts in, but every time he brings scouts in, I wind up playing well. So the uh, Seahawks scouts start like kind of like communicating me when it's like, like, you playing really well. Like we're looking at you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, and at this point, I'm like in awe. So we go into that offseason uh, leading up until the 2015 draft. And I can remember the, the moment it hit was, so coming from a small school, we didn't really get invited to the combine. They had this thing, they stopped doing it now, but it's called the uh, regional combine. And basically guys from small schools uh, would pay and travel to like these select sites that would have the NFL facilities for guys to, uh, like it's just like a workout, it's like a, um, a combine, like a test, like kind of kind of thing. And um, Kind of like a, mini, same like a mini combine, basically. Yeah, basically. exactly, a mini combine. And in essence, if you did really well at the regional, you got invited. And the regional was only in front of the team that hosted. So it was only like six or seven of them. And you had, so mine was in Denver. I had the, the, the best one I could get to was Denver. And I flew to Denver. Not even six or seven, I think it was like three or four of them. And if you do really well in front of that one, you get invited to the super regional. And they, then they pay for your flight. And they pay for your travel to perform in front of all 32. 32 team scouts. So um, I remember, man, I wound up going to the one in Denver and I did all right, man. Um, I just was like, man, I did my best. I kind of trained a lot and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I wound up getting a call, man. I get this, I'm literally in an interview for uh, Northwest Mutual to be a damn insurance, insurance salesman. <laughs> like I remember like walking into to the interview, I got an interview. Um, I get up there, I kill the interview, they offered me the job, man. And I remember the guy walked away and I was like, this is my life. I'm gonna be selling insurance. Like literally it was like the most like daunting thing. Like no disrespect to selling insurance, just that oh, wasn't, man, my, I'm working that wasn't my it, yeah. that wasn't my passion or like nowhere I wanted to be. I just did it because it was a job offer and I was like, I'm I've graduated college, I gotta find something to do with my life. And the football thing wasn't, I wasn't sure about the football thing at this point. And literally, man, I'm getting out. I'm leaving the interview. And I tell them, like, they offer me the job. And I tell them, can I give it just, like, another week to see what happens, happens with football? It's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Just take as much time you need. Just get back to us. And I'm getting on the elevator, man. I get to the lobby. I get a call. And it's the people from the from the regional combine. And they, they, they like, hey, you did really well. I want to invite you to Super Regional. Man, I was screaming so damn loud in that lobby, like, and at that moment, I was like, I got the chance of opportunity. I got a chance of a lifetime to make the NFL. So I was like spazzing, man, like so excited. And wound up uh, going to it, doing really well. Had a couple of scouts look at me. And the second moment was um, each team has their, like their local region, region, well, not local. They have their regional combines for each for each state. So Atlanta Falcons were hosting one. And they would select certain guys that was in like a certain radius of the team's facility to come work out in front of their scouts. And I wound up getting selected. I go up there and I wound up doing really, really well in the, in the workouts. And I wound up getting talked to by Dan Quinn. And it was like confirmation. He was like, you're doing really well. Like, we really like you, man. What might have you having you here with the Falcons? And again, that was the second, that was the second, like, I got a chance of really getting in the field. You got to call the insurance company and say, no, I'm going to play pro ball instead. Peace. Man, so they call me back, man. They want to call me back. I was like, hey, 
I really appreciate the opportunity, but um, I'm still chasing this football dream. And yeah, I'm going to go be in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go try to be in the NFL. So I'll let you guys know how I go. Yeah. My man T.A.'s over here like, we'll see what yeah. happened was. We'll see what happened was. Like, exactly. Dan, Dan Quinn pulled me off to the side and was like, bro, come play with the Falcons. And I was like, exactly. I don't know. I don't know, Dan. I got this insurance gig that's about to start yeah. off. Like, what, what should I do? Exactly. After a lot of thought and consideration, I decided to play in the NFL instead. Exactly. That's you so what, cool, man. You know what stands out the most so far, just listening to you talk about your story? to this point is your mindset, bro. Your mindset to me is like the complete opposite of what you would expect of like somebody that's playing in the league right now. The normal story that you hear all the time is guys are like, I've been playing football since I was five years old and there was no other option. Like Zach and I were talking to a golfer the other day and Zach asked him a question. He's like, Hey man, like, have you always had the mindset that golf is all you're going to do and nothing else? And the guy was like, yeah. And Zach was like, I'd kind of be disappointed if you answered no. I'm curious, like, what is it inside of you that created that mindset where school was more important than football and it was so long before you got so invested in football? Um, honestly, man, it's, it's hard to explain because, honestly, again, like, I never was, like, the top dog for, like, in my in, in football, like, on any level. Like, I was good. I was competing. I'm not saying I wasn't playing well, but I was never, like, a, oh, we got to watch out for this guy or, oh, look, we got – you know what I mean? Like, those, those like – accolades that guys get kind of like going into the situation like I wasn't no big time guy again I wasn't no no I was a zero star recruit and I was getting partial I got a partial scholarship uh and no 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 downplay to like any of those things but like for me it was more realistic to me and I don't know how my mind does it or how I've kind of got to this point but like my sights were kind of set a little bit smaller just because like I came from a family I was the first to graduate high school and I was the first to kind of go to college and get my degree so those things really, like, really, really, really impressed my mom. So while being more focused on those things and kind of, like, setting the standard for my family, um, I guess in the midst of that, I was naturally just a hard worker. So naturally, I became better at football because I knew for me, like, again, I stood on my pride. So I really wanted to be not saying I didn't want to make it to the NFL, but NFL was not in my sights until, honestly, my senior year when my coach was telling me, like, you got an opportunity. And even then, I still was kind of doubting it. But I think it was just a product of me just, like, working so hard on my craft. Again, I was there every summer. And not just to work, but just, like, literally to get better at football, to get better at school, because I was in summer school every summer, too. And I knew I wanted to finish my career at football and my collegiate career at the same time, like my scholastic career, I wanted to finish graduating and be done ball at the exact same time. So for those things to line up, I had to kind of be there. So I guess like a byproduct of me committing so much to football in school was I started to get really, really good at football, like noticeably enough to play on the NFL. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I did, I wasn't as like committed to it. It's just, Again, I think it was just me being prepared for the opportunity that came. Like, I didn't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily say I didn't want to go to the NFL. Of course I wanted to. Like, of course it come across my mind. Like, yeah, that would be dope to be playing in the NFL type thing. But, like, right. just like my junior year in high school and my junior year in college, I was a backup behind an older guy. And unfortunate things happen. They wind up getting injured, and I get thrown in the fire, and I wind up playing really well, and I go on – play really well into my junior and senior year, both high school and college. And it gives me opportunity to go to the next level. So 
again, I think it goes ties back into the whole idea of just I was always prepared. It's the byproduct of me just doing the things I need to do to accept or like flourish in whatever opportunity came my way. Yeah, there's an old ethos that kind of goes like, and I'm, I'm probably butchering this, but it's sort of like life is constantly throwing opportunities to everybody all the time. It's just a matter of being eyes wide enough to notice it and prepared enough to take advantage of it. And I, I think there's value to, because Ryan's right, every guy that went through what you went through nine times out of 10 is like, oh, it's was football or die. And I'm sure you had that in your heart too. You don't get to the league without that, but it's impressive how you're able to kind of compartmentalize day to day. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm going to work hard today and then I'm going to have a good day today. And that's going to turn into a good day tomorrow. And then when my, when my number gets called, I'm going to be ready to go. Right. Um, But what's really cool about your story to me is if your number wouldn't have gotten called, you'd still be living a great life. You know what I mean? Like you just seem to man do really well at covering all your bases. And I like that because I'm, I'm similar in that way. And uh, man, and I honestly, man, like, I want to say it's like in the most humble way ever. Like I literally like truly believe that in my heart. Like I tell people yeah. all the time, like for me, I feel like really like had football not worked out, I would have been fine. I would have absolutely. I really, in, I in the thirty-minute conversation, that's very apparent to me that you would have been successful regardless. Yeah. I think the number one reason why that's so true is because when you were talking about where your mindset came from, you said something that stood out to me where you were more concerned about graduating college as the absolute pinnacle of making your mom proud of you. And like other kids would be like, my mom's not going to be proud unless I make it to the league. And you were like, nah, bro, I'm trying to set an example for my siblings. And I'm trying to like make my mom's proud by like graduating school. That's that right there is the mindset that, that would have made you successful had you never made it in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And kind of like what Zach was talking about, there's that other cliche saying that's like, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? And I think you're a spitting image example of you just kept your head down. You did what you needed to in school to graduate. You did what you needed to to play well in football, right? And then you had one opportunity after another present itself and you were just able – you, you took that preparation and you took advantage of that opportunity and then what people would call luck is just you being successful. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, Y'all tap into it, but like the biggest thing is like the opportunity is com- gonna come. Like I don't care who you are, or where you're at. Like an opportunity is gonna come. Everybody is mm-hmm. gonna, gonna have an opportunity. Some more than others, but you're gonna have an opportunity. It's all gonna come down to where you prepare for it, and then you take advantage of it. So. Yep. And if you're paying attention, yeah. I I'll say this same way you did, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, sort of at all, and obviously not like athletically because. You know, sports for me were very much a high school thing, a little bit of college. I wrestled a little bit, but people always, you know, like at my job, like I do, I've been pretty successful, luckily, like at work and like, thankfully, and people are always like, oh man, Zach, you, you just always land on your feet. Like the running joke is like, I could fall asleep at a meeting and they would call me and I would just be like bullshit my way through the question. But like, and like, I roll with the punches with that, but in my head, I'm like, that's not true. I just make sure that I have my shit together every single day. So when I do have an opportunity to impress somebody at the office or I do have the opportunity to impress somebody on the show, like I have my shit together and I'm not going to, like, I'm not just like stumbling through life without this freakish luck, you know, like yeah, there's a yeah, lot of like preparedness exactly. to it. So I like that you said that because I'll be getting shit from my friends all the time. Like, oh, I'm just Like I'm just rolling out of bed at 11 o'clock and getting wins, you know, like that's not <laughs> the way that works. It's some work to come with it. It's not just, man. Right. 
a lot of people understand it, man. I think the biggest thing too is like one thing I remember my friend telling me about me, and I like again, like I look back over my eight years in the NFL and just like my life and just like the things I've been through, like so much I've been through, like it looks good on the end, like right now, like overall summer of it looks good, but it's been so much, so many dark places, so many failures, like so many damn failures throughout that process that people won't even understand sometimes. And I remember my best friend told me, um, literally my sophomore year of college, and I had been through a few things at this point, and he was like, Terrell, man, like, you really are persevering. Like, I've watched you go through so many different things and still continue to move forward. And I think that's like also a vital part of it. It's definitely being able to like keep pushing through no matter what happens. Like a lot of guys get knocked off the railroad of life. Granted, be be on their own, own own happenings or something else out of their control, and they literally like go far left of what they even like were moving towards in, in a sense. Like it completely derail their entire life sometimes. And um, I've been fortunate enough, blessed enough to kind of like have a sound mind enough to kind of keep keep forward like I know things that come my way sometimes like literally I know are meant to kind of like keep me away from my future goals in a sense and I would just like keep going through them I remember like literally been at a point where I thought like my NFL career was over and it could have been like granted I had a valid reason for it to be over I had an injury and then I could just be like I'm done with football but I just knew like I still wanted to play football. So I continued to work through it and God took control of it. And I wound up turning, adding five more years to my career. So right on. Well, I want to ask you about something unrelated from, from all of that. And it's just a super basic question. What's it like just being on the field on Sunday? What's going through your head when you're, you know, I guess it's not called soldier field anymore or, you know, and you're, you're not at Ford field and I'm a Lions guy, but you know, when you're at these fields and it's Sunday at one o'clock, you know, the whole world's watching play football. Like, what is that like? Like what kind of emotion was the first time you stepped out on that field? Like what was, what's going through your head when you're playing in the NFL? Like that seems insane to me. Um, I think for me, so like, I really realized, like, I still do love playing the game of football. Like it's something about playing football. It's just like, it's ingrained in me. It's kind of like in my DNA. So I know for sure. a fact I'm meant to play football because I still get, the same goosebumps and chills and excitement that I did when I was eight years old playing in front of my, playing in front of 15 parents, <laughs> you know what I mean? So just to go out there, I get, I still get those chills, I still get that excitement. And I, for me, like, whenever I get anxious now, I know I'm in a place where like, I'm happy. Cause like anxiety for me, like, especially when it comes to ball, is like a good feeling. My palms get sweaty, heart start being a little bit more you know, I get nervous. And I just start yeah. smiling. I start smiling like, uh-oh, we're here. Like, <laughs> I still love this shit. I'm going to do it. And it's dope, man. It's really dope to be, like, committed to something so long and still get the same, like, initial feelings you did from the beginning. So it's, like, something that's kind of, like, reaffirming to, like, I'm in my purpose in a sense. So I yeah. love just, like, feel, having that feeling. Like, it don't matter. I get the same feeling I get from when I was playing high school and playing on a Friday night. And if I'm in the lights as I do now playing in my eighth year, going into my eighth year in the NFL. So it's kind of like the same feeling, man. I just get like really excited. It's, it's dope to just hear the fans and everything. It's just like, it's these like, it's, it's like, I can't even explain it. It's just like my palms get sweaty and my heart start beating a little bit more. And literally, I just it's like being a kid, being a kid start, again. Start damn smiling again. Who, uh, who, where's the hardest place to play? Who has the most intense Ooh. fans? 
easily Kansas City. Really? It's oh, the loudest man. stadium, bro. I'm going to tell you this right now, and this is controversial, and I don't know if you've ever played from before, but I cannot stand the Chiefs. Man, man, they are – it's great <laughs> to play for them, horrible to play against them, because literally, if they make an electric play, you're going to feel them. You're going to yeah, feel Yeah, I wouldn't guess that. You're going to feel every fan. They're going to make you feel it. So we may, maybe we should have asked you this question sooner, but, like, what are the teams that you've played for? Because I know you played for the Chiefs. Let's go down. You really I had the list up. I had and the list can, up earlier. Let's go down this road. And congrats, right. by the way, on hitting eight years in the NFL, man. What is that, like twice the national average for – like twice the yeah, average of a career? That's fantastic, my goal, bro. My goals were small, and they grew to big. I swear, it's crazy. Get you but, another eight. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. People think I'm playing. I literally play with guys now. I'm freaking 30 years old. And we'd be at, like, workouts. So they're like, yeah, you ain't 30. I'm like, yeah. Like, boy, yeah. They'd be like, I cannot tell you 30. I'm like, yeah, I'm 30. Like, it like, comes like really like joyful. And I always had, they're like, you got like you young. Like, you got to keep the spirit, got to keep the spirit young, keep the body young. Give us your roster, man. Who you played for? Man, listen. So, uh, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, man. All right. We got to cut this off now. I'm, man, I'm glad man. you ain't there no more. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, bro. We didn't have some I, got love for, I got love for Seattle because they, 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 they brought me into the league, they gave me opportununity. I was, and I you said the guy at the combine was the first guy to yeah, talk exactly. to. You. So wanted, they wanted to invite me to rookie minicamp. Um, I want to do really well in rookie minicamp. They offered me a contract. I'll cut them some slack, but I still don't like them. So yeah. Seattle, I was in Kansas City for a while on practice squad. Um, Oakland, uh, was with the Colts for a little while. The Bills, Houston Texans, 49ers, Jacksonville. Bro, let's talk – can we talk about your 2020 season at Houston? Man. My man, 128 tackles. Dude, you were just lighting fools up, bro. Man, listen, man. Again, it was kind of just like my junior year in college and high school. Uh, the starring guy, a really good guy, Bernard Kenny wound up going down uh, season and injury. And then I had the opportunity to start for the rest of the season. And literally, man, I was, I was prepared. I was just ready for it. So – it was fun to be out there, kind of like experience yeah. football from the starter's position. So for the for, for majority of my career, I was a backup guy and just playing special teams. So it was dope. Kind of so like experience that. A couple stats about 2020 that stood out to me that I thought were funny because when we live in Nashville, your first career sack was against Ryan Tannehill, who's yeah. our quarterback now. Yeah. And your best game of all time, 17 sacks, was against my team, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're tied together. What do you know it? Yeah, exactly, man. Well, I'm I'm an LA Rams fan now because all Lions fans are Rams fans now because Stafford. Because Stafford, yeah, makes sense. Which I gotta ask you, Ryan, can you pull it up for me? Yeah, let me let me share my screen here real quick. I gotta ask you a question about this. I gotta know what's going through. I'm gonna grill you for a second right now. I'm offended. I'm offended by this. All right, here we go. I've been waiting all week to ask you about this. Here's my boy right here. We're gonna we're gonna play a clip from you playing on the Texans, and we just want you to give us a little play by play. All right. We're setting up. <laughs> so here's my question, my man. My man was just trying to do a gentleman slide, dude. He was just trying to do a casual slide, dude. You didn't have to listen. You didn't man, have this, to ring him up, man. I promise you, it does not be on purpose, and it's hard. Listen, <laughs> those are like bang bang plays, so it's hard to judge what he's going to do in that moment. Right. I don't know if he's going to slide or 
try to keep going. And then literally, I'm in football mode. So at this point, I don't yeah. know who got the ball. I just know somebody got the ball. I ain't realizing it's a quarterback at this point. And you're a linebacker, so your exactly. whole just, job is to just eat him up. Man, so, hold on, was, have you? I was so scared. I thought I was going to get a. I thought I was going to get a penalty. I thought I was going to get. A Do penalty. you remember that play? Yeah, I was so scared. Look, you're in the trust tree. Okay, you're safe. You're in the nest right now. Yeah. You knew it was Matt Stafford, and you were like, "I'm gonna tee this motherfucker." <laughs> He's from Georgia. He's a Stafford fan for oh, sure. Man, so, He's, listen, Stafford's listen. probably his guy. I I'll, listen. I see no names on playing ball. I just, I'm just listening. I just know my job, my duty. Is to knock motherfuckers out and keep moving forward. That's it. So I bet Matt didn't. I bet Matt didn't. I bet it didn't even phase him. I bet he popped up. Listen, Stafford's a tough guy. Trust me. He I'm going through a touchdown with a dislocated shoulder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't, dude. He just he. I think ninety percent of that kid's career he's played injured. Man, you do a sin the Lions. It's like going to the joint, man. Like it's it's tough out there in Detroit. Like we, although, dude. I meant to tell you this earlier, Ryan. This is unrelated. And now that we have an NFL player on, too, it's getting his feedback's probably good. I saw on SportsCenter this morning that they estimate Detroit going 11 and 6 and making the playoffs next year. What? We'll see, man. You never know. NFL can be very surprising. That's what I love about NFL. Listen, there been, this offseason has been the most insane offseason that I've seen in forever, dude. I'm, there was I'm, so much shakeup. Exactly. So I'm really, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season. Because last year was really fun. Last year was really fun. And the playoffs was really good. So, I'm anxious to see how this, like, season goes. I was real hyped that Stafford won the ring. Because he's my guy. He's my favorite player in the NFL. And it's not close. Tyrell, I don't know if you saw any of the social media posts that I put trying to lead up to this. But I strategically used that hit on Matt Stafford as the opening scene on a couple videos. Just so that Zach would have to watch it a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) So, who was your favorite team to play for? It's like, like Jacksonville. He's like Jacksonville. I got mad love for Houston, but I'm really, like, enjoying loving Jacksonville. It's not even because I'm here. I just love Jacksonville. And What's you're close Trevor to TPC Manson? Sawgrass. Exactly. I'm closer to home. I, I just love Jacksonville. And I just want us to win. You got to freaking – I want to win so bad here. I love Jacksonville. Yeah. You got sick jerseys. Exactly. And the jersey is nice. I like the black. I like the black on black. Bro, the helmets? Dope. The helmets are fire. So tell me about the golf thing. We're doing the golf tournament. Is are, Do you play a lot? Do you play golf? Do you enjoy golf? How do All right. So, kind of come up? so like um, doing a golf tournament, um, this would be the second year of it. So last year we did it. Uh, we had a really good turnout for it. Actually surprised me how well it went because – Again, I didn't know much about golf. I just started playing like a, two years ago, if that, maybe like a year and a half. I got addicted to it quick, and I wound up – I got addicted to it so fast, and I wound up like realizing like a lot of guys I was playing – like a lot of guys I was training with, they played it as well. So I was like – and I wasn't hearing about any golf tournaments or anything in Atlanta. I was like, I should just host a golf tournament. I know a lot of guys. I'm cool with a lot of guys, and guys like, like the golf. So I wound up putting it together. Uh, I wound up playing. I was the absolute worst at the tournament. Um, Been there. That that that's really something to be the worst at your own event. You get used to it, man. Don't but, worry about it. It's like so. We, again, we're going into our second year of it. It's um, I threw it, I do it through my foundation uh, just to help raise funds so we can kind of keep giving back. I do a lot of um, charity and giving back to my community where I grew up from. Um, literally trying to build up and cultivate like better leaders and 
help with like mental 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 health and so many different aspects of like how I want to get back to where I grew up at. So mentoring young men and um, hosting camps and I do turkey we do turkey giveaways, we do uh, Christmas drives, uh, we're doing our first um, school back to school drive this year and just so many different things. Just whatever we can do to be a part of the community and just help out. That's our biggest thing. So we kind of like not trying to limit like what we're able to do. Uh, because people need people needs come in so many different shapes and forms so we try to kind of be a be a resource for that but again the, um this is going to the second year of it we always have like good guys out there uh, i've met a lot of guys old and young in the nfl build good relationships with them and all one common thing you know, they all like to freaking golf and they're very competitive so the the stage is set every time through golf so yeah um We'll be doing it over at Bridge Mill Athletic Club in Atlanta, Georgia on Monday, June 27th. Um, I'm really anxious because this year I actually took lessons and I'm still taking lessons. So I think I'm going to be a lot better this year. And literally, I just started playing golf a year and a half, two years ago. And I'm so invested in it now. It's like ridiculous. Like, I see why guys like do it. Like, it's, and it's so like, it's like a mind game. Like you literally are playing a mind game the entire time. I just love it now. I do you think? It. Do you think learning how to play golf translates to helping you be a better linebacker in the NFL? Oh, for sure. So it's it's definitely like challenging me mentally. So now I'm like having to play football mentally more. Like I'm really challenging myself. Like as far as like doing the same thing consistently every time, every time, every time. Like not allowing one mishap in my routine or my my fundamentals so i'm literally like playing playing back things I, I bounce back between both of them like so literally how i was taught golf i don't know if it's like the correct way but how i was taught was like you gotta have the same routine you gotta do the same thing every single time it cannot be one minor difference in the last thing you did because you'll start to see differences in your uh in your swing and your hit so i took that same mentality of football so I try to make sure I'm doing the same steps on this play, same steps on that play, making sure I'm approaching things the same way every single rep so that I can be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. So I'm trying to like carry that consistency that is very vital to golf. Like golf is like, it's very vital. Like it's more, I feel like it's more vital in golf than is football because football, you can get away with some things sometimes because you got 10 other teammates, you know what I mean? Yep. So like, Versus golf is you and the ball every time. So and there's more of an opportunity in other sports outside of golf to make like an athletic play, right? Like in golf, it's all sort of fundamental. Whereas yeah. like, you know, if you're a baseball player, a basketball player, a football player, you know, you can do something unfundamental, but like athleticism or game knowledge or whatever can kind of carry that, right? In golf, yeah. that's non-existent, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What can we uh what can we expect? Like we're super excited about going out there and playing in this event. Can you give us any kind of like additional information about what we can look forward to? Some of the things that might be happening that day during the tournament. Oh yeah, so definitely. So um, again, it's on Monday, June twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two, and it's over at Bridge Mill Athletic Club, and we're definitely going to have a, a longest hole, longest hole tournament. Uh, we're definitely doing a, a put put a put a putting putting green shot best putting green shot in the beginning for everybody kind of like i know guys get real competitive so i know a lot of guys we got taquillo spikes coming out chase oh, Hayward, Preston Smith, uh, mike davis 
just a bunch of big name guys, good friends of mine that uh, they love the golf as well. So I might have them guys out and kind of just like contribute into it. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. That's like the perfect, it's either the best, the best timing for me or the worst, because like my wife and I, we're going to, we are going to be in Atlanta for the fourth anyways, go to the Braves and she likes the aquarium and um, we have family down there. So it's kind of cool because we'll be going, go down there for your thing, be there yep. Saturday, come back Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I'll come back, I'll work two days and then turn around, come back. So I'll essentially be in Atlanta. I'm maybe just try to see if my company or somebody like work down there. So might be down there all week. It sounds like you like low key love Atlanta. <laughs> I do love Atlanta. I go to Atlanta all the time. I love Atlanta. Yeah, man. it's probably my favorite city in the country for sure. Yeah, that's dope. Food's on point, sports teams are on point. It's Everybody's always- nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Traffic sucks, but I can get over it. What's the what's the website for your foundation? Is it the TyrellAdamsFoundation.com? Yeah, so you can head over to TyrellAdamsFoundation.com. Uh, you can register or sponsor. Um, we sponsored. We have a great time. So if you got anybody out there that want to come out there and show off their skills, because we got a lot of talent. We got a lot of talent there, man. A lot of talent. So, again, oh. TyrellAdamsFoundation.com. And then you have an Instagram account for that too, right? Tyrell, yep, Tyrell yep. Adams Foundation. Yep. yep. Over on Instagram, Tyrell Adams Foundation. Um, yeah. Look, here's a, here's a controversial question coming up at you. I've seen some of your Instagram posts on your page, Tyrell yep. Adams page. Okay. You, my man likes to dance a little. And I'm curious, why haven't I seen your TikTok account? Any, like, where's the TikTok account, my man? Listen, every, listen. here we go, man. This fool's here. obsessed with TikTok. Obsessed with it. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. I get a lot of con- comments about my how goofy I am and just how like my character, like I'm just like a I'm a character at all times. So like a lot of people ask me, like, why you got a TikTok? Why you ain't got no, why you on, why you don't have a podcast? Like, why you don't start no show? Like, I'm like, ah. I'm literally like just a spur of the moment guy. Like, I don't know what gets into me sometimes, but I just go in this really goofy mode. Again, I was a class clown. So that kind of like drives this right now like i'm always in an entertaining mode so <laughs> so i don't know man i mean i haven't started yet man i just like i don't know man i need to start one i get that a lot and you start one dude i'm i think it'd be i think it'd be hilarious just some of the videos that i watch and they're older videos you probably posted yeah. them like you know a year or two that's the thing like i don't even catch i don't even catch like half of the things i do like they they get so mad at me for like not recording. Like, bro, you are really goofy. Like, what is wrong with you? You just need to get some like college student that's going to school for like video production to be like yeah. an intern for you and just fucking follow you around for a year with a camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just consider it an internship at your foundation, basically. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Also, why do you think it is that so many football players and and per, not just football players, but like professional athletes? I mean, we talk about the Atlanta Braves. Zach and I go on about like Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, like. Smoltzy is nuts good at golf, dude. So what do you think it is about you guys as professional athletes that allows you to be so good at golf? Is it just, and give us like the real, real, like, do you guys practice for two hours a week and then you have 75 hours a week to play golf? I'll give you the real. So like when I went to my trainer, he was like, athletes are a lot easier to kind of train for this because they already kind of wired mentally to to hone in on the technique and stuff. And then a lot of like the base fundamentals of it like he was telling me just like he had to teach people how to get in the grounded stands and squat and twist this way and twist that way and then like 
a lot of people have to like build up those little muscles to kind of like even do those twists and turns sometimes for like effective swing or whatever it may be. And he's like, the athletes are a lot easier because they're already pretty mobile. So it's easy to kind of like turn their bodies and get them in motion. So I think that's what the biggest thing is, is just like having athletes has already been moving a lot. Most guys aren't like as active as athletes are. So if you're already pretty much active and you got kind of like an easy slate to work with. And then our mentality already is, this is something very challenging in front of me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get better at it. Yeah, the workout that could just sort of exists, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Ryan's right. Like, especially quarterbacks. For some reason, like, if you think back through, like, quarterbacks are always like, Tom Brady's nuts, Tony Romo's nuts. Uh, who are some of the other guys Pey- that play quarterback? Peyton Manning. Quarterbacks just are born scratch golfers. It seems yeah. crazy to me. And yep. kickers. Yep. Kickers, too. And I feel like kickers is just because they got the most time on their hands, man. Like, what do they yeah. go out there and <laughs> kick a football for, like, 45 minutes? They're like, all right, guys, I got to go to the quarters. Yeah. True, true or false? Kickers are the most chill people on the football team. Facts. Most chill. They be chilling. Really good dudes. They be chilling. Yeah. What what kind of pranks you guys pull on each other during practice, dude? <sighs> it's hard, man. I kind of like – I'm like a good vet, so I don't really like pull too many pranks. I had this one guy I used to play with a lot. Like, even off the field, he just did like a lot of pranks all the time. This guy named Taiwan Jones, like my best friend, but he used to do so many pranks. Like, one night he, like, stole my car and, like, moved it. I thought my car got, like, towed. I'm, like, freaking out. Like, bro, what's my car like? It's the middle of the night. I'm thinking somebody, we just came from a restaurant, and I parked somewhere sketchy already. And I thought I was going to get towed. He literally moved my car. I don't know when he moved it. And I'm just, like, looking around for my car and freaked out. But on the field, man, it's kind of hard. Like, you kind of, like, make guys, like, carry, carry your equipment in. Like, if you have, like, 14 shoulder pads on them, carrying around eight helmets at the long, hot practice. But that's about it, man. Like, we'll, I haven't got too deep in the pranks. I've seen some crazy ones, like car full of popcorn. Um, I, I take that back. I've done, I've, I've like, one of my teammates, he was like traveling with like a lot of gear. And I knew he hadn't moved into his place yet. He always leaves his car unlocked. So I used to get so mad. I was like, why are you leaving your car unlocked? Who do you think you are? Like, he would leave his car unlocked, so I just literally would. If I came in work after him and I see his car, I'll leave before him and see his car unlocked, I would get in his car and park it all the way in the back of the parking lot, and he would get so mad. He would, like, he'd get pissed all the time. Or, like, one of them had, like, all his all his clothes and stuff in the back seat. I just took all the clothes out and put them on top of his car and put his shoes on top of the car and everything. Do you ever, do you ever pull a prank on somebody and then look back on it later and be like, man, that was – that was really fucked up. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm trying to think. No, I don't think I went that deep. I always kind of keep it like funny, but not too like too inconveniencing. I just like do something that's inconvenient. Nothing uh, too like that's too like stress causing. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> if you're okay with it, I kind of want to ba- like go in reverse a little bit, and I want to talk about when you first got into the league, I know you got in undrafted, undrafted free agent, right? Undrafted tryout. It's a undrafted tryout. You got so explain drafted. the difference. Then. So a lot of people like see my, see my journey and see that I was undrafted, but I was undrafted tryout. So basically you got guys that's drafted one through seven. And then after the draft, they got priority free agent guys that go undrafted guys they want, but they just didn't get drafted and they wound up signing contracts. And then there's a, 
very big pool of guys they invite just specifically to rookie minicamp that weekend. It was just a three-day weekend at the team's facility. And honestly, you're just like a body for the other guys so they can get some a few practices in before they join the team. And I wound up getting invited to Seattle's um, undrafted tryout, um, rookie minicamp. And my homie, the guy that played on my team, he was a priority free agent. They wound up signing him. And I remember how, how getting ready to leave, they told me to just pack for three days. But I was talking to him also, and he was like, yeah, I'm packing for two, they told me to pack for two, three months. And my mom was like, I'm gonna pack for two, three months then. So lo and behold, man, I wound up packing for two, three months and I go out there for that rookie mini camp and I wound up doing really well. I remember I was third string Mike linebacker at the time when I walked into that mini camp and every day I got moved up. The last day I was uh, running with the ones, did really well, and then they wound up giving me an opportunity to sign me. What's it like? Uh... Talk to me about like the practice squad. I noticed you spent a little time on practice squads and stuff throughout your career. What what is what is that like? Is it literally you're just there to practice and if somebody gets hurt, you get called up? Is it like I've always wondered how that works? Is it like playing like triple A baseball or something like that? Is it something similar? So it varies between each team. Um some teams, well, for the for the baseline of it, you just practice. Um when I say it varies, I was talking about like how like some logistical stuff goes. I'll get into that later, but for the most part, like all we did was practice. So like we'd be the scout team to look, give the look reps for the week. Um, we'd have like we would meet with the main team some most times. We'd do all the main meetings, and then we'd have like an extra scout team meeting to kind of like see what the team would look, opposing team kind of look like, or who we're imitating in a sense. And um, honestly, you'd be sitting, um, you're just waiting. You honestly waiting on somebody to uh, something to happen to somebody if somebody went down, kind of. Like just being a reserve player, somebody new to new to system already. They have to bring in somebody new off the streets. Um, yeah, already kind of like uh, reliable in a sense. But yeah, all we do is practice from Monday to Friday, and then Saturday we go through the same game routine with the team, and then Sunday we watching the game just like the fans or on the sideline hyping the squad up. Well, remember the guy in the playoffs last year, the practice squad guy that ran on the field, and got in all that trouble. Yeah, he was, uh, I think on the Rams, uh, maybe. No, I, was like the was, I think he ran on the field with like flip flops. Yeah, he had the flip flops and the towel. Wasn't that yeah. the Rams? I, no, I think yeah, it was the Bengals. I think it was the. You're Bengals. right. It was the Bengals. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he was right in so much trouble. Was, I wish I could have been a fly in the He was too hype. I, I, I don't blame him. He was too hype. I don't think. You, listen, when you're in the playoffs and you start making plays, it's getting you closer and closer to the Super Bowl. I would have been just as hype. No, I was going to say that sounds like a that's a tough role because. Practice is probably probably not easy in the NFL, and I would imagine the playbooks that you have to learn just in case are probably like a college textbook. I can imagine an NFL playbook being like a physics problem. It's probably insane. It's just got so many different so many different parts to it because there's so many different um, adjustments, especially playing defense. You always got all these adjustments, different calls, different different uh, sets, just preparing for one specific team, and they all can change literally the next week with the next team that you play. Some people might look at your career and they might describe your career or describe you as an athlete as like a journeyman. How does that, how does that make you feel? Or like, what's your take on that? 
it's a compliment for sure, man. I think they've kind of like coined a lot of guys journeyman and which it makes sense. But for me, I just looking back on it, man, I was just been blessed to even make it this far. Honestly, man, I really like could not have fathomed like being this far in the NFL. Literally, I went from come out of college, I just want to get an invite to camp to man, I just want to make practice squads. I guess I'll, if I make a practice squad, I'm good. Um, if I get active this week, they activate me, man. I just want to get at least say I played in the NFL for one year. Dang, if I can get three years, that'll be perfect. That'll be all I need out of the NFL. And now I'm going to my eighth year. So, like, I literally kind of just keep coming, constantly reminding myself, just like, it's a blessing to be here. Like, I couldn't even, like, even, like, drawing this up. Again, I still get excited as hell just, like, thinking about the fact I'm still in the field and playing. Like, I feel like a little kid in, in a sense. That's awesome. That's awesome. Who uh, random hardest person to tackle that you've ever played against? Hardest person to tackle, either Nick Chubb. I can see that big boy. Nick Chubb, or probably um, I'm about to go with uh, Derrick Henry. That's who I was kind of thinking. I was trying to bait you into saying Derrick Henry because the Titans, the Titans are my backup team. So like I'm a Lions guy, but the Titans I got some love for too. He's he's could play in the D line. He's huge. Yeah, he's, a, he's a specimen. I ain't gonna lie. He's, he's a big guy. And the thing about him being big is one thing no one will understand. He is fast as hell. He's huge. He's physical, but he's fast as hell. Is also he's really fast. I feel yeah, like that's gotta be a nightmare. I feel like it's gotta be a nightmare for a linebacker or like a like a DB more than anything, right? Because he is so quick and he's so big that like. By the time he gets 10 yards upfield and he's running full speed, like who the who in their right mind wants to step in front of that dude? <laughs> exactly. That's, but that's their that's their kind of like game plan sometimes. They try to get him on the edge and full speed running their DBs with the, he know they're gonna either cower away or not be big enough. So it's crazy. Plus I saw him downtown Nashville one time and he is probably three times bigger than I expected him to be in person. And he's huge. He is enormous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw him at the airport one time, and I was like, I said the exact same thing that you said, T.A. I said, that dude's a specimen, man. Like, yeah. he's um, And he's got that wicked-ass stiff arm, bro. Like, just embarrassing fools on Sunday. Dangerous. It's dangerous. It's like a freaking secret weapon or something. Like a superpower. <laughs> like a cheat code? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Back in Madden, you could do, like, the cheat code of the stiff arms. Yeah. Yep. That's so funny. What's your – I just get so, like – I just – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I just – I'm such a long time like NFL fan. I just want to know like what all these like people who have been heroes to my whole life. I just want to know what they're like. Like, you know, you watch them on TV and you're like, oh, I just want this guy to make an insane play. Like, but like man, you'd be, be amazed, man. Just, those guys are regular guys. Trust yeah. me, regular guys with regular interests doing regular things outside of football. Like it's crazy. Of course, you get your you know what's up. I'm sorry. You get your fun things to do every once in a while, but like for the most part, I promise you, those guys are your regular dudes. Anytime I go to an uh, NFL game, I kind of get a reality check like that because you know you watch it on TV and there's advertisements everywhere and there's you know all of this like fanfare. But then when you go to the game, you know it's, it just reminds me of being in the student section like at a college game. You know what I mean? It's yeah. almost the same. You know, so like you're right. It is. It is a lot different when you you know meet folks in person or you know watch them play live. You know, as opposed to yeah. you know to argue like hockey, it's almost the opposite effect. You watch sport like hockey on TV, you're just saying whatever. But you watch hockey live, like 
it's almost like the reverse. Like the NFL, yeah. I think, does such a good job of just adding like they just the glamorizing uh, it. Yeah. it really well. They sell it to you. Oh, yeah. The greatest thing yeah, on the earth. editors that work for the NFL are geniuses. Yeah. Well, you said you're you kind of act like a, a kid every time you're on the field, and you're like, man, I can't believe I'm in the league. So who do you fanboy over the most whenever you get out there and you're playing? Yeah. Takeo Spikes has got to be one of them. So that was your boy. He's a legend, man. Yeah, Takeo. And then he's like really like a really good friend, too. So like Takeo's already a solid dude. But like, definitely not Stafford the way you laid him out. Man. Yeah, it's like, man, he, I'm an older guy now. So like it's harder now because I play with like most of the guys I thought I never would play with. So easily it's, it's, it has to be it's Michael Vick. Like easily. I remember because the only reason oh, I saw like, because you guy too as a kid for sure. Oh, yeah. like Mike Vick was like he was the first like NFL athlete I ever met, and he spoke to me when I was little. Like, I and it was weird because we was at a camp, and he wound up coming to speak to like our summer camp, our youth summer camp, and he just wound up saying, "Hey, also I always got to shake his hand," and I was like, "That's Mike Vick." And then fast forward to making it into the league, I never played against him or anything. He wound up coming to uh, Hollywood the team one year when I was in Houston. It was like, man, it's Mike Vick. Like, Mike Vick. Like, it's still just like Mike Vick. So, that, that's probably the next level, man. Yeah. He was next level. Yeah. That's awesome. I, um, you know, going back to what you guys were talking about, how TA, you were talking about how, like, a lot of the guys are just regular people. You remind me a lot of Will Compton. I don't know if you ever listened yeah. to, like, the Bustin' With The Boys. Um podcast but will compton's got like basically the same story as you i mean he's undrafted he's just been grinding constantly in the league being able to play he's also a linebacker right. um but like um taylor lewan like i've i've met him a couple times in person and hanging out with that dude like there i bet there are people out there that are asking themselves is taylor just putting on a show and he's doing his podcast or is this how he really is i'm gonna tell you guys right now like that's how that dude is at a thanksgiving dinner playing cornhole like yeah He's just that guy. He, he just they just put a microphone in front of him. Yeah, U of M guy. That's dope. I, I know a lot of guys that play with. Him. I don't know. I, I don't know him personally, but I know a lot of guys that play with him. They speak highly of him. Yeah, he's a character, man. He's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it. that's what they say. He's a character. Also, another specimen. That kid's six eight, like three hundred and ten pounds or three hundred twenty pounds or some nonsense. But he might get offended by that. But he's like three hundred for sure. Listen, so. I will go on record saying it. Offensive linemen might be, I won't say they are the best, but they are competing for being like the biggest athletes. Because yeah. they like, just imagine being like six, eight, six, seven, 300 pounds and having to run around, stop and chase guys under usually smaller than you and stopping them type stuff. Like, listen, I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine being 300 pounds, six, eight. Yeah, There's a TikTok page that's literally dedicated to like O linemen being freak athletes. Like, the, my, my one man like did a split and then did like a full like yoga roll over like in like like moving like he's 120 pounds like yoga instructor. Um, my mm -hmm. wife might have just got home. Um, but yeah, I agree. They're nuts and they're fast too. Like you look at the combine times. Someone 320 running like a four eight or something like that's fast that's insane and they can make it look so easy that everybody thinks they can do it until they actually try and they realize they're running freaking six flats and five oh, man. Five. yeah 
Yeah, who's that? Uh, who's that D lineman out of Georgia? I can't remember his name right now. That's Jordan like, Davis? yeah, yeah. What he he ran like a four six forty in the combine this year or something. Yeah, he nonsense? ran like and he's like three hundred pounds. He might even run like a four. I, he might. I'm might be crazy. You gotta fact check me on this, but I think he might even run like a sub four five. I think he ran like a four four or something like that. But that seems. What's his name? Jordan Davis. It's an outrageously fast time for how large that that man is. And it was a four seven eight. Yeah, that's sick. Brian's four four five. Well, I said four. I said four six or four seven the first time around. I thought maybe yeah, four seven. Quicker, but. What's crazy is if you type in J O R in Google, the first thing that comes up is Jordan Davis forty time. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, man. No, or, or Apple has those like mics in the phone and you hear what you are thinking about. That's probably exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably exactly what it is. You go, Let me start on that. The whole time we think Siri just starts listening automatically. Only when we say "Hey Siri," literally she listened the whole time already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's been listening since two thousand eight, bro. <laughs> yeah. All she <laughs> needs. <laughs> um. People be like, oh, "I turned the location services on my phone." I'm like, "That don't fucking matter, man." But but it don't matter. They know where you're at. It's they funny. know where you're at. Bill knows where you're at, dude. What would you say your uh, your proudest moment in your entire career is so far to this point? I teeter between two of them. Honestly, man, it might have been making it, making it, making up opening day roster, like making it my first uh, opening day roster. Or it could be that 2020 season I had, I would finish top 10 in tackles for the season. So, and I only play, I missed five of the game. So that was kind of like a, big, a big thing for me, too. So that's crazy. You could have probably been top. Exactly. So, and no Pro Bowl. Jipped. Man, listen. I tell you <laughs> listen, they come. Listen. <laughs> yeah, but the, the shitty thing that I the, the, the shitty thing about the Pro Bowl that I don't like is that it's it's just a popularity contest, man. It's just people voting on you. So if, if you're not in a position to get your name and your face out there, then people don't even know you exist and they can't even vote you in. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of personally guys in the league understand it. So we just let, let it be what it is. Yeah. I also hate that it's when they changed it to they do the week in between the Super Bowl now, so the guys in the Super Bowl like aren't there. I felt like whenever they kind of change that, like I, I get it, dudes don't want to play in the Pro Bowl after they play in the Super Bowl, but didn't it used to be after the Super Bowl they would do the Pro Bowl like the weekend after? But now they do it in between the last playoff game and the Super Bowl, right? Or do I have that backwards? I can't remember what I think it was always been before. I just can't remember what aspect of it they changed. I know they changed the location, but it was. That's what they changed. It's always been before the Super Bowl. It's generally two weeks before the Super Bowl. Yeah. They always used to host it in Hawaii, but that yeah, was causing problems for guys to like have to travel to Hawaii and then possibly travel to Miami to go to the Super Bowl venue. Right. Yeah. So the, the change that they made was now the Pro Bowl is always hosted at the site where the Super Bowl is going to be. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. I'm I think curious. all-star games in general are just kind of – I just remember being a kid, like, being so hype about, like, just all-star games in general, like, especially, like, the NBA, like, the dunk contest and the all-star game. I just remember, like, like me and my boys, like, being kids, having sleepovers, like, watching all that stuff or watching the Pro Bowl. And, like, now, like, it just feels like, all oh, that's – nobody cares about any of that stuff anymore, you know? Like, I just wonder why – I wonder why the shift in mentality when it comes to, like, all-star games, you know? 
I don't even know. We're we trying to figure out to figure out that as well. I mean, I guess you have to be an all-star to figure it out. So one day I'll get there and figure it out. When I get there, yeah, I, I was literally going to say that earlier when you were like, oh, man, I just I just take one success at a time. Like, oh, I just want to play in college. And, oh, I just want to do this. And, like, pretty soon it's going to be like, oh, I just want to make the Pro Bowl. And you're going to do that. Exactly. Oh, I just want to exactly. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, so what are your goals for the future, though? Because I, I can understand the mindset of taking everything as it comes, but you got to have some goals, like, written down somewhere, like, I want yeah, to sure. so, tackling or whatever it is. So every year it's kind of like the same thing for me, man. It's just the um, cheesy ones kind of, but they're, like, really personable for me. It's like play my best, uh, make the opening day roster, um, contribute to the team, and then it kind of grows from there. It's, it's like I accomplished those things, and, Ultimately, like you get to the back end of it, and it's always the same one that's sitting at the top of it, like win the Super Bowl, win the goddamn Super Bowl. So, <laughs> Why is that such a big deal? I don't understand. I mean, it's like the pinnacle of all football. It's like the pinnacle of all football. Like you can win every championship on every level, but if you never won a Super Bowl, it's just like I want the fucking Super Bowl. Or you can you can I, not win any of them and just win a Super Bowl. You feel like the greatest man ever. I literally felt. One of probably the top, I'll say top 50 happiest moments of my life. Because obviously, like, it's whatever. But I was so happy just watching Matt Stafford win a Super Bowl for a team that's not my team. That I can't even imagine what it would be like to win it yourself. Exactly. Like, I remember being at Kings Bowl, like, hype because Matt Stafford won a ring. And, like, I can't imagine actually holding the trophy. That's an insane, like, just conceptualizing that is insane to me. That's Man, listen, Super Bowl. It's always on that list every year. I hope you do win. I'm just trying to score better than you at the golf tournament. That's really – that's my goal the next Listen, three days. That literally will not be that hard, I'm trying to tell you. I'm not very good, man. Ryan's good. I'm not very good. I'm there for the beers normally. Man, listen. It's all – listen. Between the beers and the and the, and the bets and the, the crap talking, it's like the greatest experience ever. He asked me the other day, like on an episode or two ago, he's like, are you going to take any swings? I haven't played like this summer just because I've been busy with work and traveling and doing the show. So I haven't really had a chance to play. Like Ryan plays almost every day, but he was like, maybe you should take some swings before we get on there. I was like, no, man, my first swing of 2022 is going to be at like the long drive contest or something. I'm just going to let my natural ability lead out. I'm just <laughs> no, going to I like fade. it. I like it. Listen, you, go, you go into it strong. I hope you freaking win. That'd be like a memory yeah. forever. I'm like Allen Iverson, man. I'm not out here talking about practice. I'm just trying to get out there and swing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's practice. Like we're we're trying to get from... we're trying to sneaky link, get some professional golfers on our team right now. So y'all better watch out. Listen, you're not the only one. I'm telling you, man. So we got <laughs> I had like a couple teams from my, my college. They um they have a couple professionals that play there. And then um uh one of my my college friends that graduated she's a professional and she's supposed to become with her team so man listen wait this, the competition is high who who are we talking about i might know him i might not uh, not not like personally but just like in the world oh the girl she her name is uh anna living good i mean anna um what is anna's last name lesher okay no i haven't heard of her yeah so she's probably still amazing at golf and yeah she's like really good so we'll see we'll see that's what's up Dude, I have like, I could literally sit here for the next 10 hours picking your brain about all kinds of stuff. So at any point, if you just want to stop this and you're getting bored, just let us know. But um, 
when when did you get signed onto the Jags, like specifically? Uh, so I wound up uh, coming the last last two games of the season last year. I got picked up off of – I was on Peace Squad down in uh, San Fran, and they wound up claiming me off of um, San Fran's practice squad. And then I came there for week 17 or 18, uh, finished the year out, and then they re-signed me after the season. Okay. So you, you, you get picked up from other people's practice squads? That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't there during the whole Urban Meyer debacle? No, I wasn't. I was, I was, I was post that. All right. Any stories you want to share uh, that you learned? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, listen, if I knew, I would, but I, I, I literally had no experience with him at all. What's it like? You mentioned earlier how, like, one of your goals is to always make the opening day roster. Walk us through that, that like, minefield of months going through, like, mini camps, OTAs, then you're going through preseason, you're going through the preseason cuts. Like, what is, dude, what is, is that torture or what, man? It's a lot of it's a lot of mental it's a lot of mental gymnastics. Um, have to constantly kind of like be on your toes, make sure you're putting doing your best, kind of like finding ways to get better. And then, aside from all that, it's like you can put in so much work and so much foundational stuff for what you want to do on the field, and you have to actually go to the field and do it. Again, we always talk about a lot how like the NFL is such a performance based industry. It's ridiculous. Like there's no other job where like literally. There's no doubt like professional sports where literally every year they're bringing in new talent, potentially better talent, to take your job and replace you. It's just like my uh, my, my homie gave me this uh, gave me this funny analogy. It's like it's like being an accountant for a business, and every year they hire a new younger accountant <laughs> to watch you and see what you do and try to be better at you, but you still have to perform. And it's possible they could take your job, but we'll just see what happens type thing. So yeah, they're all that's like I never even thought of it that way. But NFL teams are literally 24-7, 365, trying to find somebody better than what they've got all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Man, that's intense. I never even thought about it that way. Talk about mental health, man. I I imagine there's gotta be some guys in the league that have a real hard time with that. Like it's probably easy for people to be to take offense to that, right? Like if you're a player and you're like, man, what I'm not good enough now. Yeah, so I, I, so I've been through that, been on that, done it on that, uh, that end of the spectrum for majority of my career. Just like literally, have to every year fight for my position on the roster, uh, earn my position. You know what I mean? So I think um, for me, I just kind of like convey those thoughts. I'm like, whenever I'm around on the team and I'm like interacting with younger guys and trying to kind of like ease those those thoughts and kind of like help them work through those is like, I was just telling them like, just keep going through them. I know it's a lot, it can be a lot mentally. I was like literally like fortunate enough to have a sound mind and a mind that can work through things again, kind of goes to me just being a perseverer. But I kind of like remind those guys, like don't worry about it, just keep working, like constantly encouraging them and pushing them through things and like tell them to ignore like the things that's going on around them. Cause you never know what can happen, honestly, so. Cycle of life. Cause you got to be that guy, you know, you know, now yeah. you've got to kind of worry about the next guy. So exactly, that's it's a high intensity life for sure. Worth it though. I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure. But I also like, you know, a while ago you made a comment too about how like some of your goals are to, to make a positive impact on the team, right? Like to contribute to the team. And I think, 
I think that probably helps in your situation or in any player's situation. If you have a mindset of, Hey, look, I just want to contribute to the, to the team doing better and the team being successful, then you can be that veteran that takes those new guys under your wing and kind of shows them the right path so that it's a shorter, um, it's a shorter path to success than what maybe you saw or somebody else around them. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and not everybody, uh, mind frame is like mine. So I know for sure, like for me, I honestly want to see guys around me. This goes, this just ties into like the whole competing thing about being a professional sports. I want the guys around me to be really good. That actually elevates me to a level that I can like achieve. Like that's literally far beyond. Sometimes I can reach on my own. Honestly, I feed off a lot of just watching guys. I study guys, how they play, and just, like, what they're really good at. And in my mind, yeah, I'm still childlike in a sense. So I, like, I want to do that. I want to be that good. I want to do that that well. So let me work on it. Let me let me practice this. Let me keep working at this so I can be this good, that good at it, or even better in a sense. So, again, I thrive off of the talent being so high that it actually forces me to either get better or get lost in a sense. I like uh motivation through osmosis right like yeah. the guys around you are, are are killing it then you have no choice although you know what i mean like it's yeah exactly i'm the same way i uh i think complacency is like the most dangerous thing like human beings can experience just in any form and being surrounded by the literal like physical epitome of the opposite of that just workers that are passionate and talented uh you know, naturally gifted, uh, it probably just eliminates complacency just altogether. You probably don't have that option at all to ever be lazy or complacent. Exactly. So it's huge. Is there, is there somebody else that you model your game after, or is there somebody else like a linebacker that, that you're like, I want to be, I want to play like that person. Um, It's hard to say. I think the biggest thing is all the teams I named you, I've had the opportunity to play around, play with some like really like, great linebackers so like I always take little things from them that they do so well that I try to add to my game or I try to develop into my game in a sense or whatever it may be like if I could add that to my toolbox so again I play with like a lot of great linebackers I play with Fred Warner I play with Darius Leonard play with Zach Cunningham I play with freaking Bobby Wagner just so many guys big name guys and even guys that weren't even like starting them all it's like so many that's what people fail to realize. This guy's not even starting. They, like, are really that good. Like, I've learned things from us. Guys like um, Dylan Cole played down in um, – play, he played with me in Houston. He's in uh, Tennessee now. Really good linebacker. Um, guy played with Darren Bates. He's a really good linebacker. Just, like, a good special teams guy. Just, like, really physical and athletic guy. Just so many different guys. And I just, like – pick little things up from their game as I went along and met these guys and watching film and just kind of just trying to use that to like help myself grow and get better. So do you want to, do you want to talk to us more about this project that you're working on the underdrafted? So it's still like in the infant stages. Um, so we're kind of trying to preserve that, but the, the basis of it is just kind of like bringing light to guys like myself, guys that overcome boundary over overcame obstacles in their life and obstacles and honestly, and just like, specifically for sports now and we hope they expand it as well but again I'm a guy that's undrafted tryout you got guys that were drafted seven round six round could have been drafted second or third round bar what may have like changed that and they continued on their careers I played around a lot of guys that's in that in that arena in an avenue so 
trying to bring light to that and um, share their stories, help get their stories out. And honestly, just like, just keep going from there. That's awesome. What's the story like? I know this is probably like the most obvious example of that, but what does someone like someone like Tom Brady's story has to resonate to everybody kind of going through that? Like, I know he was drafted, but he was sixth, seventh round. Like, I remember he was just a scrawny kid from Michigan, and now he's arguably the best football player to ever live. Like, so that's got to be like the pinnacle of the underdrafted success story, right? That's probably the one that everybody probably asks about and brings up the most. It's probably the most famous example, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, for me, I always kind of look at, of course, you got guys that get successful and go on to do these great things, but I really try to dive into like the not so shiny parts of their, their journey. Yeah. Kind of figure, out, figure out how they wait, how they, how they manage through that. Cause a lot of people kind of like, and there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of people kind of like praise you and glamorize you once you get to the end of your road or wherever you're at it, in the, in a sense. And, they don't understand like kind of what's been poured into it. I think a lot of guys kind of get lost in the in the in the um, theatrics of everything. Sometimes, like you see guys making touchdowns, getting rings, winning rings, playing the NFL, making money, and you think they got it easy in a sense. When honestly, it's so much more that was poured into this. Literally, you got guys that've been playing football for twenty plus years, and there it takes till they're twenty. 25, 26, 27, whatever it may be, they see real money in a sense or reap any like real fruit from it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's really a vital piece of it sometimes. I think the world is missing a lot of content of the before versus the now. A lot of people try to mimic what the greats do, but they only want to mimic the the back end. The good part. Yeah, the good part, the success part. I'm a big baseball guy. Obviously, I'm an NFL fan, but my passion as a sports fan is baseball for sure. You know, um, there's a lot of guys, you know, using baseball as an example that get drafted first, second round and play double A baseball into their 50s. Um, so, like, when you think about baseball, you think about that, but you kind of always forget that there are people in NFL kind of grinding like that, too, just because there's not really like a farm system, right? You get drafted, you're on the team. So, people, you know, sort of forget everybody tunes in for the draft on Thursday and Friday and everyone's just like, yeah, whatever, I watched the draft. But there's three more days that the kids are getting picked up that have to have to kind of grind, you know, and people kind of forget about the practice squads or, you know, the cuts. And, you know, I it's just a little bit more highlighted in baseball, you know, like, but until you brought that up, I wouldn't even have. I mean, obviously, I think I probably knew it was existed, you know, I mean, I'm not but you don't think about it as much. So that's really cool. No, for real. So, like, again, like you said, that farm system for the NFL literally is the practice squad. So, yeah, about as in depth as they get in that practice squad, like, what, 10 to 13 players. So, yeah. You ever been on hard knocks? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, man. I've missed every year. I've never been on it, man. Never been on it. I, be I always feel so bad. I've... Anytime the camera is in the coach's office, I'm like, oh, shit. It's going to get like, bad. This, this isn't going to be good. Yeah, I uh, I think the Cardinals are the ones on Hard Knocks this year, aren't they? Cardinals this year, yep. yeah. Man, y'all y'all snatched our boy Christian Kirk up out of Arizona. Man, listen, all the preseason, I'm glad they're doing it. They made some great some great decisions. You excited to play with T Law? Yeah, man. I'm, man, listen, he's a good dude. I'm a, like had like some minor conversations with him. He's a real good dude, real cool dude. 
if you had to put so zach's like a low-key uh has like a low-key gambling addiction mm-hmm. if you had to put odds on whether or not trevor lawrence cuts his hair anytime in the future like what are your odds on that you know what's so crazy before he answers that is i swear to god i was literally just going to ask him that question like <laughs> verbatim that exact question Minus know, the man. whole gambling addiction thing, but I could I couldn't tell you, man. I could not tell you. Somebody uh, needs to convince that kid. It's time. I'll be disappointed if he did. No way, man. Let her. That's his thing, dude. That's his trademark. Like, why would he cut it? It's like Troy Polamalu. Like, why would he cut it? <laughs> you Nobody cared about there. Troy when he cut his hair. You got a good point there. That's funny. It's like Bane. Nobody cared until he put on the mask. Nobody cared about Trevor until he had the long hair. That's actually not true. I'm sure a lot of people cared about him. He's a top tier athlete. He's no Matt Stafford. Not yet. Have you ever had any like scary moments in your career where you were you so oh talk to us about your injury, man. You said you had an injury and it could have been like the end of your career, but you were like, nah, man, I'm, I'm yeah. Quitting. So 2017, I uh wound up messing my shoulder up and had to sit out for literally the end of the season. It was like we wound up messing my soul up like week five, week six, set out for the rest of the season, like uh, three or four months. Uh, it was about the second or third month into it, into the injury, and I was getting really discouraged because I wasn't seeing any progress with the rehab or anything. And I was literally in my mind, like, maybe it's just time to stop playing football. And the thoughts just, like, really was, like, destroying me internally. And I was in a place where, like, I couldn't even enjoy anything, that any of the things that were going on around me. I remember vividly uh, – was at Christmas with my daughter and she was like having the time of her life. And I was just like, so like zoned out and just like not in a good place. Like I couldn't even like bask in her happiness in the moment. And again, um, I just thank God I kind of had like a sound mind enough to kind of regather myself and home back in on that, that time of my life. And like realized like really like that wasn't who I was and I couldn't, uh, let that be the pitfall of myself. So a part of getting back to who I was, was realizing I was grateful for where I was and accepting of what could happen or what couldn't happen. But although I did want to continue to play, I would just work for it. And then whatever happened from there, I let the, leave the rest up into the creator's hands. So. so who's the most important person in your life? Oh, I can't answer that question. I can't because I got so many important people in my life. I can't answer that question. I literally have like the greatest community of people around me ever. So I can't, I can't answer that question. It's just too many. That's a good, that's a good problem to have though. For sure. It's a good problem to have. Have so many good people in your life. Yeah. That you couldn't just narrow it down. Yeah. Man, I can't, I can't even bring it within like five. Maybe. It says a lot about you that you have such a, such a big circle. It says a lot, a lot about you as a person too. But then again, yeah. you know what? Now I think about it. It's a big circle. I need to trim it down. <laughs> I might need to start putting. I might need to start putting pressure on them. Yeah, just show your value. Yeah, I'm like, all right, here we go now. I don't know. I want this pod. I want this podcast now. I'm questioning everybody. I need to start <laughs> testing everybody. Well, yeah. Prove your worth. Prove your worth to this to this right. circle. <laughs> that's so funny. Two and a half more questions. Um, who's your favorite golfer on the PGA Tour right now? Favorite golfer. Mm. You're asking some really tough questions. That's a tough-ass question. John Daly is the correct answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with Daly. 
Oh, come on now. You made it easy. <laughs> hey, we're Atlanta people, man. We're it, ain't my, it ain't my fault. He made, it, he, made it, he made it easy for me, so I'm going to take it. All right. All right. So here's another question. We've asked a couple of people this on the podcast, um, and it's like a two-part question. One, how much time do you actually spend watching golf on TV? So, all right, here's, a, here's another one. I literally just started playing a year and a half or two ago, and once I started my lessons, like a month ago, I just like tuned in. Nice. Because I know what I'm watching now. Like my, 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 the person that was teaching my lessons, he just started from the, the basis. So now I'm watching like, like certain terms they use when they use when they're, when I'm golfing, like about like the whole, like making sure I keep my, my hips on the wall or yeah. not, not coming out of it, coming out of the stance cor- incorrectly. It's just like so many different terms that I understand what they're talking about. So it's more interesting, you know, I'm literally like sent the house, like a, like a real life golf watching golf. That's it's awesome. so funny. It's so funny to me. I never would have seen this for myself. I'm literally watching golf. Intrigued. So what's so here's the big question. What's one thing? Because there could be a couple, but like what's one thing that you think that they could do to make watching golf on TV more exciting? Especially for you, because you're so brand new into it, right? And like you never yeah. had that excitement before, but now you do. I think like I could it, I could be wrong, but I think like golf is growing more now. Like golf is growing yeah, since more. Tiger Woods. Popularity is like change. growing like rapidly. Like I don't know what it is. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it's getting more popular. But I think the biggest thing is just like then you got like places like Top Golf. Like more people have the opportunity to do it on like a less intense. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never even thought of less that. Less intense kind of just like uh, setting. So like now people like get more interested in it. like you know what? I actually can swing a golf club. Hmm. Yeah. So well, and then you I got like first tee programs for kids. So like kids are having a little bit easier entry into it at a younger age now than they ever yeah. did before as well. Yeah. Some of the things that we had talked yeah. about was like putting a shot clock on these guys instead of giving them like all day to take one shot, putting a shot yep. clock next to them and saying, okay, look, you only have 30 seconds to pull the trigger to make it happen. Or like getting more guys mic'd up on the, on the course while they're actually playing so you can hear them better. The yeah. mic'd up one would be good. But, but also I think like, again, it goes back to like more people have to play it like, I could. I think golf is one sport you actually have to do to be interested in watching it. I agree. I literally was not interested in golf until I started playing. Now That's I like to watch. Take. I like to watch it now. I That's love a, that it. Is a good take. I like so that yeah, again, I think it ties back into the whole like why the popularity is growing because like you got like places like Top Golf, like all these places, and then more people are actually like attempting it. Now they're trying to figure out like, what are they? I know what they're doing out there. I actually can sit there and try to learn and try to do that next time I go to golf or something. You know what I mean? And then, of course, they can't imitate it at all because they practice nowhere near as much. As the and they're elevated six stories, so it always exactly. top golf looks like you hit it twice as far. Exactly. I so. have a theory, and I bring it up on every episode about, like, golf getting more popular is, is I think golf is in two parts. I think it's pre-Tiger Woods pro golf and post-Tiger Woods pro golf. I think Tiger Woods – brought youth to the game you know he was signed with nike you know he was emotional on the course like he was physically fit you know as before you know like everyone looked like your grandpa out there playing golf you know yeah. and tiger was yeah. i got roar the rory that's a good point that's a good point and i think i think it went from a game to a sport when tiger woods kind of kind of played i think people treat it like a sport now as opposed to a game pre-tiger yeah so i I think Tiger, but I love your take about Top Golf. I never even dawned on me, but that's absolutely true because I probably go to Top Golf ten times a year with work, or people are like, "Oh, let's just go to fucking Top Golf," and like, 
that's just kind of a thing people do for like, you know, so that's a really good point. Exactly. About top call. Exactly. Nobody's brought that up. We've asked that question every time and nobody said top golf. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. It's like top, top golf is like a bowling alley for golfing now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Tyrell, I appreciate you coming on, man. I don't want you to be running late for your next call. So thank you so much for spending time with us. I appreciate it a ton. Looking forward to coming seeing you at the end of June. We definitely got to go to a Braves game now. Man, we have to go. And I appreciate y'all having me, man. I really, really appreciate it, man. Dope to kind of like talk about everything and enjoy you guys. And Again, at the golf tournament, we're going to see if you can back that shit up. So we're going to see. Yeah. Talking yeah, to you, Ryan. Sure. I made it abundantly clear. I know. I'm talking to Ryan. To be you you yeah. already made it apparent that you're ass. Yeah. But Ryan, hey, <laughs> to be fair, I haven't said a single thing in two hours about whether I'm good or bad at golf. So, oh, he said you were good. So I, I want to see if you as good as he, he said you <laughs> well, are. When you're as he bad as recruiting. when you're, you're as bad as he is, everybody looks good compared to yeah, you. I guess that, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. I've been to that. Been in those shoes. All right. Let's call him longest drive contest, and I my first swing of the summer. I swear to God, I hope you just boom it and just knock everybody out of the park. I hope so too. I can hit it. I can hit it at least 175 yards. So I'm prepped. All right, I'm excited. Take it easy, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, but absolutely. Likewise.